Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Cece. And this is Claire. And hello friends to our headline news edition of our 21st series of Sundition on April 18th, 2021. We have three interesting stories and even better takes, so let us get into it. So for our first story, we have um, nine Hong Kong pro-democracy activists have been charged for their 2019 protests. So far, nine prominent legislators and activists have been found guilty of the, quote, charges, end quote, and are facing time in prison or suspensions. Jimmy Lai, a billionaire who has been famously vocal against Beijing, has been sentenced to one year in prison. Margaret and Martin Lee have been suspended, which means that if they commit a crime in the next two years, they will automatically serve time. And Lei Chukyun received the longest sentence, which is 18 months. These activists are famous from their days in the 1990s during the transition from British rule to under the CCP. They were previously charged with being a part of the unauthorized protests in the summer of 2019, but for the most recent one, they were charged with being the organizers of a protest during these turbulent times. So far, more than 10,000 people have been arrested, and some of these veteran legislators have actually never faced trial before. All of these arrests have been possible due to the partial takeover of the Hong Kong government by Beijing and the year-old national security law. Margaret also made ending remarks before sentences, stating that the law should protect the rights of the people. One of the activists, Jimmy Lai, still faces trial for six other charges from colluding with foreign powers to fraud. He is also currently in jail right now since his bail was rejected, and he says that they're pushing for hope that things will work out in their favor. To be honest, I think that's highly unlikely. You know, (laughs) Beijing has had their eyes on these people for, like, a year now, I'm sure. Longer than that. Yeah. And I'm sure that they've had their eyes... I think they've had their eyes on these legislators for, like, many decades, honestly. Because Since 1990s, people, huh? Yeah, but, like, these people are super influential. And, like, the CCP, once you, like, become a bit influential, I'm pretty sure they start to have, a, a like, gather intelligence on you and whatnot to make sure, like... You're not doing anything that would go against them, but... Ah, keeping tabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to think, like, how influential these people are, like, it's insane that... Because people think that the transition was so far away and, like, so long ago. And it sometimes feels like it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, right? Like, these were the people that were pretty much reshaping the political landscape for Hong Kong to fit under Beijing right these and yet they're still alive and they're kind of like alive and kicking you know (laughs) (laughs) well in jail but these are old like 60 years old yeah they're in jail and like honestly it's it just this whole situation kind of makes me reflect on the situation here in America where the people you see who are most vocal about these grassroots are fighting like kind of what the establishment is you could say are like you don't see famous legislators here doing these fighting things anymore, i know right? it's usually just like the normal citizen that's doing it it's not powerful people that are helping along like they're not directly yeah. involved in these types of protests and things like that like, these people, like, in Hong Kong, they actually organized the most recent one, apparently, yeah. I guess. 
Yeah. I mean, also, I understand the situation is different, right? They're fighting, like, it's like if, I don't know, if an extraterrestrial planet came here and started to, like, give influence to... I mean, you could have just said Britain. If Britain came back That's and was tr- like, well, hey, guys, we want you back. Well, the thing is, it's like the opposite. Well, because... Yes. I Okay, well, I guess... Yeah, I would... I guess it could be similar. Like, if Britain came back and, like, their parliament started passing laws that would... Um, I mean, wait, but that really, okay, let me backtrack, that, backtrack, backtrack, all the way go, um, the only situation I can think of is actually with Britain, right, like you said, you know, when, uh, what was it called, when America was still a colony, they were living under this rule where, like, kind of, you do your stuff, remember? I forgot the term for that, but yes, basically, they rule from afar, yeah and so basically that was all fun and dandy until the um french and indian war hit and the british decided to be more well decided to tax them more and start putting more legislation and start overseeing things more in the colonies and the colonists got mad right because this was basically a um it was an attack on their infrastructure because they were taxing yeah. like their businesses while um, British companies and stuff like that, they got all the power. So then all the revenue would go to Britain and their companies. And of course, colonists want their own revenue. And so the whole American yes. Revolution thing started. And here we are, independent. Yeah. Um, but... At the same time, Britain was also... Back then, it was a lot harder for Britain to control because of geographical situations. And also, Britain was lacking money in general at that time. Uh, but in uh, in this situation, this current situation, the CCP is certainly not lacking the capital to take over Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, right now, they're not exactly like taking over... in like a military sense you know like trying to attack but you know from more of the ground up right first taking away all the activists and the uh anti-ccp legislators and whatnot but i mean so like if you had like um i mean that's basically like similar to Kind of similar to American Revolution. I don't, I mean, not really. Sort of, but not really. If you had, like, George Washington, like, Ben Franklin, right, being arrested and charged um, and whatnot, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But there's also, it's also a little different now, right? We're not still under British rule, whereas... Mm-hmm. in hong kong right china was sort of influencing hong kong in a way but now of course china's taking back like trying to take back their power 
Yeah. Which sucks, worse. honestly. <laughs> but... Yeah. And I also, like, feel really bad uh, to these activists because China is... Obviously, there's always going to be other organizers, um, other participants, right? But the point of arresting and charging these people is more of, like, uh, it's, like, a more socially significant. Number one, these are the people who have a lot of influence because of their former experience as a legislator. They understand everything, um, and also they've been organizing this stuff. But two, right, their legacy. They're very well known in Hong Kong, especially because of their history in the 1990s. And it's almost like tainting their history and the glory that came and all the work that they put in into building Hong Kong the way how it is today, right? And now they're, you know, they're criminals. Exactly, just for fighting for what, freedom? They're being charged for that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I understandably, it's China, of course. Like, they're going to be charged for exercising their freedoms. But from a point of, like, how this will affect uh, the progress of pro-democracy in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. is what I'm kind of getting at here. Like, the social impact of this. It's like a loss of... It's basically what he said. That's why he, I think that's why he said it. There's a loss of... There really is a loss of hope when your leaders lose. Right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. Like, in a movement, right? A few people getting arrested is not as big as, like, the leader getting arrested. Exactly. Moving on to our next story, we are going up above to the north. So over the past month, Russia has been compiling a military buildup along the Russia-Ukraine border. Their military mobilization has set off alarms for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, a.k.a. NATO, other European capitals, and our wonderful Washington, D.C., In recent news with Russia, President Biden has announced a whole slew of sanctions against Russia and to fire back. Russia has announced on Friday that they would expel 10 U.S. diplomats. Biden's sanctions were intended to punish Russia for its past actions, of course, such as involvement in U.S. elections, hacking government agencies, a number of other disinformation effects, uh, disinformation efforts, and the annexation of Crimea. On Wednesday, this past Wednesday, on April 14th, Andriy Taran, Ukraine's Minister of Defense, told European lawmakers that Russia had stationed 110,000 troops near the Ukrainian border. With this information, the director of the CIA told Congress that it was still unclear whether this military buildup is merely a show of force or possibly a preparation for something bigger. Hint, hint. Um, So why is this happening? Russia's relationship with Europe is at the lowest it's been, or the worst you could say it's been since the Gorbachev era. Additionally, Putin realizes that Russia is no longer a priority on Biden's foreign policy list. Putin might also be doing this because of the recent actions of the president of Ukraine, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, 
Ukrainian troops have been moving closer to the border as well, and the president has also shut down Russian-friendly TV stations and charged some separatist leaders with treason. If this is all the case, uh, if this is the case and all the reasons that this is happening, then Russia may be actually trying to pressure Ukraine to change their positions and settle the war stalemate more on Russia's term instead. Do you think they're doing this just for attention? <laughs> I don't think for attention, per se. Just like, oh, um, well, since Russia's relationship is on the low side now, mm-hmm. right, with Europe, I don't know, it just seems like they're kind of just trying to put themselves back in the <laughs> presence of the spotlight, being like, hey guys, yeah. We're still here. I mean, he could also be taking advantage because it's at like the lowest. It's not very strong. Then there's much flex, much more flexibility that Russia can make do with to do its own thing, right? Because Russia mm-hmm. and Ukraine has all have always had a um not so good relationship, you know. I mean, Russia of has course. been trying to take over Ukraine for like. Like, ever since the USSR disbanded, (laughs) so I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obviously, the timing, um, it could be that Putin is kind of trying to revitalize Russia back into the current world discussion, right? Because, yeah, of course, they Mm -hmm. created a huge racket. Oh my gosh, I sounded like Trump. (laughs) Oh my gosh, guys. So basically, Putin created a huge racket when the uh, Mueller report came out that there could have been some like Russian involvement in the U.S. election. But I mean, you know how like throughout in history, U.S. and Russia have always been at each each other's butts. Is it no? <laughs> U.S. and Russia have always been no. butting heads for a long time since the USSR with the space race and whatnot, the Cold War, uh, Middle East. But I I mean, Russia's kind of losing its power right now, right? Like the population is not mm-hmm. doing so well or in the case where it's like no longer growing as it is much. Um, and now China's more of a bigger enemy to the U.S. than Putin is. So despite the fact that the U.S. is involved in this, it seems to be more pushing into like uh, in Europe, which obviously brings in U.S. So basically saying, yes, it could be like they're just trying to like, hey, we're here to, you know, don't forget about us because now many of these Western, at least, uh, because a lot of these Western European countries, America, and many other nations are now focusing more on China, right? Because China's growing rapidly in its GDP, its continued population growth, and, um, you know, there's, you know, for sure they're going to keep building their army, right? So there's a new target, and Russia's no longer in the limelight. So yeah, you could be right. Maybe they're just jealous. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of China, um, Biden's meeting with Japan's prime minister refocuses American foreign policy on East Asia, 
specifically China. On Friday, April 16th, President Joe Biden met with Japanese Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga. This was his first meeting with a foreign figure. This entire week, President Biden has been dabbling in foreign policy. On Wednesday, April 14th, Biden announced that he will remove all U.S. troops from Afghanistan by September 11th, 2021. On Thursday, April 15th, Biden announced sanctions on Russia for election interference and cyber attacks. Through these actions, Biden wishes to focus on East Asia to counter a rising China. This was reflected in today's meeting as well since China was one of the main focuses of Biden's and Suga's meetings. Suga said that he and Biden had, quote, serious talks on China's influence over the peace and prosperity of the Indo-Pacific and the world at large, end quote. On Monday, April 12th, China sent 25 warplanes into Taiwan's defense zone, making this the largest breach since Taiwan began reporting this type of activity from China back in September. So what was really talked about during the meeting? Just a quick note, through the sources that we use, it is actually still a little unclear as to what these discussions really entailed. It's just more of a broad overview. Suga mentioned that the Indianapolis... Suga mentioned the Indianapolis shooting that left eight people dead, saying that, quote, innocent citizens must not be exposed to any such violence, end quote. Suga said that the U.S. and Japan bond together over, quote, shared values, end quote, leading to a closer relationship between the two countries. Biden mentioned partnerships with Japanese technology and ensured that the tech would be shared between democracies and not autocracies. Obviously, the implication was pushed towards China, with the whole not autocracies thing. Suga and Biden also discussed issues with Taiwan and Xinjiang Uyghurs situation, specifically, ja specifically Japan's and US's positions and initiatives. And also near the end of the conversation, North Korea was brought up. So lots of foreign policy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this sounds like government subtweeting, you know? A little bit. <laughs> That's funny. Mm -hmm. I did not. So, this story, I think, helps us understand a little bit more of our previous story with China, with many nations now focusing on China and its rising power compared to uh, Russia and its, well, you could say, like, depleting power. Poor Russia. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and I did not know that China was sending warplanes into Taiwan's defense zone. Twenty-five warplanes. Wait, I'm confused. Like, like, what do they send warplanes for? Are they actually shooting things down? I'm actually not that sure. But even if they weren't shooting anything down, just that act of that kind of breach mm -hmm. is obviously a threat, right, toward Taiwan, saying, "Hey, we can yeah. take you if we want." So. With enough force, we can kind of bring you back over here. I mean, there's more to see, right, for this new relationship between the U.S. and Japan. Mm -hmm. I wonder what they will be doing toward China. Because I don't know what they're supposed to do. Impose more sanctions? Um, I mean, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, I'm not sure. Yeah, that, I guess that's how they get places, you know. Just impose sanctions and that's it. 
Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Those are our three headline news stories. But before we leave you today, we still have our Sunday snippet into the past. So our Sunday snippet into the past is... In 1906, on April 18th, the Great San Francisco Earthquake toppled buildings and killed thousands at 5.13 in the morning. It was estimated to be close to 8.0 on the Richter scale, caused by a slip in the San Andreas Fault. The shockwaves could be felt, obviously, in San Francisco, but all the way to southern Oregon and down to Los Angeles. Hasn't there been, like, such a big fear that this might happen again? Yeah. Oi. Excited. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And have a good Sunday.